At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Today, I'm answering two questions from one mom. The first question is about talking to kids, and in this case particular, a toddler, about sexuality in age-appropriate ways. So yes, I'm going to be talking about sex and sexuality. Nothing more than I have shared with my own children when they were four and five years old, but I am going to be covering those topics. The other question is about helping kids to be more independent. Now, I'll read the first question from her and then answer that one. And then the second question in the second half of her email after the first. And her name is Carolina. Carolina says, Hello, Erin. I recently discovered your podcast and I'm truly loving it. So many topics that I can relate to. I'm a mother of a three-year-old working full-time and trying to manage work and family all together. And I actually have two questions that I hope you can help me with. The first one is about how to deal with my child's sexuality. I grew up with divorced parents and I didn't have any strong male presence in my life, so I'm not sure how to approach this issue. How are we supposed to proceed if my son wants to take a bath with me or if he sees me naked when changing my clothes and starts to question these things? He often asks the difference between boys and girls and I'm not sure what the age appropriate reply is. Great question. We all come up against these questions and most of the times parents are not prepared to answer. So first I'll go over some normal sexual behaviors in this age range, followed by some general guidelines for supporting healthy sexual development, and then I'll answer your questions specifically. While the largest portion of sexual development takes place in later childhood, young children do have an innate curiosity about their genitals and gender roles. So it's very important to know what is normal and how to deal with these normal behaviors so children can grow up with healthy sexual attitudes. So first, some normal sexual behaviors, and then I'll cover some ways to support the healthy sexual development. So 
This is just for this very young age group, normal sexual behaviors from ages two to three. Now it's very common for toddlers to touch and manipulate their genitalia from two and a half to three years of age. And actually it's very common. So don't be alarmed at all or concerned if you see this behavior even earlier as the touching of genital parts has been documented in early childhood and even before birth. There have been ultrasounds and pictures of babies in utero who are touching their genitals. Now to kids, these are just another body part. Another normal behavior is viewing and touching their peers' genitalia and showing their genitalia to peers. Also very common around these ages two to three. Also around the age of three, the role of gender identity typically forms. Now this can be described as an individual sense of maleness or femaleness. However, socialization can also play a huge role in gender identity as well. An increased level of sexual interest that can manifest through pretend play, such as playing house or assuming other societal norms that we consider adult gender specific roles. Now children may engage in playing doctor and demonstrate an increased interest in the genitals of other children or adults. They're beginning to notice that there's a difference, so it's very common for them to notice and ask. Now these behaviors here's the big thing, are short, few, and distractible. I'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. Now I'm going to talk about some ways to support positive sexual development. First and foremost, always call their body parts by their specific names. This is penis and vagina. If you use silly or cutesy names, it sends that message of shame or that we can't be honest about sex and sexuality. So use the proper scientific terms, penis and vagina, when you're referring to your son or your daughter's genitalia. Also, it's very important to never shame a child over any sexual behavior. Do not act shocked, take a deep breath, and then handle it, and I'll give some ways to do that. When you see your child touching or playing with his or her genitals, give a gentle reminder. You could say something like, I know it feels good to touch your penis, but that's something that we do in private. You can then offer your child to go to his or her room. This teaches your child that there's nothing wrong with it, but there is a better place and where that place is. Now, little kids most of the time will just stop and go on to something else. And this is where it falls into that distractible piece of normal that I mentioned earlier. Now, if your child does decide to go up to his or her room, it doesn't mean that that's not normal. But if you start seeing this happen quite frequently or they're spending a lot of time in their room or a lot of time alone touching their genitalia, that's when it would be considered a red flag and time to look into getting an assessment or getting some help. Now this air of openness and normalcy around the subject of sexuality is extremely important if you want your child to feel comfortable coming to you, not just about questions and issues around sex and sexuality, but around any tough subject, relationships, feelings, drugs and alcohol. If we want to be our child's main source for information and guidance, we don't want to give our kids the idea that certain topics are up for discussion and others are taboo. And it's going to start with these early questions around sex and their body parts. I cover this and additional information about sexual development, including some red flags and how to deal with those in the class called Your Developing Toddler. I also cover all the other areas of development, such as motor development, cognitive, social, emotional, and language development. Now this class can be found on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the development and health section. I will also be adding these development classes for preschoolers, elementary age kids, and those are the kids ages five to 10, and also for adolescents, which is age 11 plus. 
in the coming months. So if you want to know when those come out, you could join our newsletter and the pop-up shows up on our website to join the newsletter. Okay, so now to address Carolina's questions specifically. Now, kids are really very good about regulating their own comfort level and appropriateness of sexual conduct as they age. So the general rule is to let them be their own guide if you can allow yourself to be comfortable with it. So when it comes to things like taking a bath or seeing you naked, these are perfectly acceptable, especially at the age of three, but even far beyond that. And you will find that as your child ages, he or she, well, he for Carolina and anyone out there with a she, Um, that your child will have no interest in bathing with you and eventually will most likely grow uncomfortable with seeing the other adults in the family or being seen by other family members when naked. If you are uncomfortable or just want your privacy, that's okay too. So for instance, I'm very open and I try to allow my children as much breadth with nudity as possible, but sometimes they just step over the line. I mean, when they were toddlers, I always let them follow me into the bathroom or come in when I was there, especially if I were the only adult at home. But Every once in a while, my eight-year-old will still burst into the bathroom while I'm in there and ask something he's dying to ask. And I cut him off and I say, can I just use the bathroom in peace? Can this wait until I get out? And then he'll go, oh, sorry, sorry. And he'll go back out of the bathroom and shut the door. Now, my husband and I are very dedicated to raising our kids, in addition to a lot of positive ways, in a sex-positive home. So what does this mean? Sex positive means it's an environment where there's no shame about sex or sexuality and that sex is seen as a natural and healthy part of life. Now, I was raised in a home where, as much as my mom tried, there was a lot of shameful messages around sex. Now, part of this, of course, was societal, but it was a taboo subject in our house. And I know she tried, given that she was raised in the 50s and the early 60s where no one talked about sex at all ever she really tried to be more open and progressive but while she said things like you can ask me anything the message i got was just don't ask because i'm uncomfortable with it why because there was no lead by example the explanations were done through watching a show or reading a book we were often given books or magazines or newspaper articles to read it was not a discussion Now, this sent a strong message to me that we don't talk about this. My dad? Forget about it. I couldn't even imagine trying to approach him with anything. He would have probably turned beet red, mumbled about something he needed to get done, and disappeared for hours. So these were some messages that I got growing up. And this lead by example or modeling really sends some strong messages. So be careful about that. So what do you do? if your kids ask questions. Well, what do you do when your kids ask questions? Because they are going to ask. You answer them to the best of your ability. If you don't know the answer, you can say, that's a really good question and I don't wanna give you the wrong information, so let's go look it up. Children will generally not ask questions they're not ready to hear the answers to. And once they feel satisfied, they'll stop asking and move on to something else. Our twins were asking tons of questions at five. My daughter asked lots of questions over probably a one to two month period. So one day we were cooking together and she was asking some questions. She got to the question about how babies get out of mommy. And I explained how this works in very simple terms. She was five and I just said the baby comes out the mommy's vagina. Her jaw dropped open. And that was the last question she asked that day. That was enough information for her at that time. Now, my eight-year-old hadn't asked a single question, 
And as a kid who tends to hang out with older kids, I knew he was going to start to hear things. I wanted to make sure he got the facts from me and not something less scientific from someone else first. So I actually approached him. He was not interested in hearing about it, so I just covered some basics and let him know when he has questions, his dad and I are always available. So if your toddler is asking about the difference between boys and girls, and this is a very common question, you could just say something like, boys and men have penises and girls and women have vaginas. Now you can add if you like that women and girls also have a uterus, and so when a woman, a girl grows up to be a woman, she can carry babies, but men do not. Now I know a lot of parents are really afraid to answer these beginning questions because they're afraid that more questions may come down the line, and they may. So just be ready and be honest. For many children, this will be enough for a while, and for others, they may ask more more probing questions. So again, just be ready and be honest. If you feel like the questions are getting too technical or above their head, you can just say, you know what, we're getting into some really deep detail that I'm not sure you're really going to understand. So let's talk about this some more another day. And I had to do that with Chandler once. He was asking some really technical questions and I know all the answers, but he was five. And I just felt like talking about ovulation and the sperm and the whole thing was an awful lot of information, but he's very scientifically minded. So I kept answering more and more questions, but he was getting pretty technical. And I felt like I'm sure now he doesn't even remember any of it, but Okay, when we come back after the break from our sponsor, Kind Bars, I will answer Carolina's second question about helping her son learn to be more independent. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than HomeThreads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is 
is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now for Carolina's second question about independence. She says, I know you already have several podcasts related to this, but I'm not sure any of them has to do with my specific case. My son is very attached to me and my husband. He is a very kind little boy that needs a lot of physical contact. He is very keen on asking for help and it's almost impossible to convince him to play alone. The only way that I can manage to make dinner or wash the dishes is if he's watching television. He often asks for help for things that we, me and him, know he can do by himself and he starts to cry if we don't help him. Thanks a lot for the great job you're doing on helping desperate parents. All right, Carolina, I don't think you're desperate. I think these are great questions. And every parent, I think every day, probably comes up against something that they don't quite know how to handle. So I love that you sent in these questions. So you're right, Carolina. I don't think I have anything addressing this specifically. So I'm going to start by introducing a term. And I've mentioned it briefly before in other podcasts. But this is a concept I've been meaning to create a class on and have not been able to get to it yet. I will, though. And this term is scaffolding. Scaffolding is a term used in education, and it applies to education in teaching kids independence in the same way as it does for a building. It's a support structure that we create for a child as they work on strengthening their skills. Now, in the educational sense, it's for them learning the skills like writing, sounding out words, math concepts. But it can also be used to support a child emotionally. So your son is feeling unsure about doing things on his own. So when you are available to help, you will scaffold the process, helping, guiding, coaching, and asking questions. What should I do with this puzzle piece? Or what should I do with this block? Help me count out two beads. Then slowly back away to having him do more and more on his own. Also during this process, you want to use positive reinforcement. If you know he's struggling with doing something independently, then give positive feedback every time he does. You counted out the 10 beads all on your own. That's very independent. You put the blocks away all on your own. That's very independent. This lets him know that independence is an important skill, that it's a skill that you like to see, and it labels him as such, as independent. He soon starts to see himself this way and will want to do more and more things independently. Now what happens when you're trying to get dinner on the table or trying to wash some dishes and he's bugging you to help him with a puzzle or a coloring or whatever? It's okay to say no and to let him know that you have other duties you need to attend to at that moment. Now you can give him a choice. He can either work on the puzzle on his own or he can come and help you with dinner or the dishes. If you think he's going to get in the way rather than be helpful, it's totally okay to give him a job that doesn't really need done. So if you're cooking, you can give him a piece of bread to break up into pieces. You could give him a butter knife and a cooked vegetable like a carrot or a potato for him to chop up, whatever. Okay, but what if he cries and pushes back? What if he doesn't want to help with dinner? He doesn't want to help take a dish and dry it off or stick it in the dishwasher and he just 
wants help with that puzzle right now. It's okay. I know we don't like to see our kids upset, but once they hit toddlerhood, it's okay to let them be upset. It's a part of life and it's learning that we can't always get what we want. The earlier kids learn this, the easier it will be for them. So it's better for them to learn to deal with this discomfort while we are there to empathize. I can see you're sad that I can't help you with your coloring right now. We can color together tomorrow. Or you could also say, you're welcome to come and help me with dinner. Let me know if you change your mind. If he chooses to cry and be upset, that is his choice and it's okay and actually important to let him work through that. This is an important life skill called coping. We all need to learn to cope with these disappointments in life, these ups and downs and when things don't always go our way and it starts right here during these toddler years. Now next week, I'm going to be covering the topic of educational toys and educational play. So just in time for the holidays, if you're trying to think of some great things to get for your kids or any nieces or nephews, any other kids in your life, I'm going to have a great list of toys from infants all the way through adolescence for great toys that are engaging, fun, and they can learn from them. If you have a parenting question you would like answered, please send them to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.